0: Welcome to the Start Me Up Podcast, part of the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. I'm Kimberly, fully vaccinated, fully boosted Johnson in D.C. Today, my returning guest is comedian Noel Kasler. I want to remind everybody that this is the last week of shows before the Christmas break which is much needed, by the way. And I'm going to, on the third, I'm probably just going to do a patrons-only show. That's going to extend to everybody who's a patron on my show, not just the people in the $5 tier. So before I get into my conversation with Noel, the Start Me Up podcast is an independent podcast supported by listeners, and it's woman-run. It's patrons who keep the show going, so I am so grateful for each and every one of you. If you enjoy today's show, visit patreon.com startmeup. You'll see that I offer a bunch of different tiers, including one that has a much shorter intro and is completely ad-free. I do two free shows a week, Mondays and Wednesdays, and they're followed up by What's Up, a show only by me. Whatever I feel like talking about that particular day, it's kind of like a stream of consciousness. Again, just go to patreon.com startmeup. Take a look at the different options. You can always upgrade later. You can also find Start Me Up on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are found. Just stop by the iTunes slash Apple Podcast Store, become a subscriber because it's free. And while you're there, there, please rate the show and leave a review. Now, please enjoy my conversation with Noel Kassler. Welcome back to the show. I can't say it. Okay, let me start over. Welcome back to the the show, Noel.
1: (laughs) Thank you, Kimberly. It's great to be here. I always enjoy talking to you. Oh, I
0: love talking to you, and I'm sorry I'm laughing. It's hard to say show and Noel without saying (laughs) shoal. I think I had that problem the last time. (laughs) But yeah, talking to you is always fun and interesting. And before we get into any politics, I just wanna know what's going on with you. You're a comedian. COVID is going on. Um I just wanna know if you have any upcoming shows and then what's that like in the COVID experience?
1: thanks for asking i do all my shows you have to show proof of vaccination and wear a mask when you're in the venue which is not just for my safety but for the guest's safety. right it's not worth you know risking your life to hear some laughter but when you put those things in place in a responsible club it tends to work out well <laughs> so i'm playing the city winery in boston on december 23rd i'm doing a big christmas show it's going to be at 6 p.m at city winery boston December 23rd and then in January I'm at the Iridium which is in Times Square. It's a great jazz club. It was was founded by Les Paul who I worked with back in the day and I'm playing there on uh, a Wednesday night. It's uh, January 26th. So those are two big shows I have coming up. If you want tickets you can find them at NoelCastler.com
0: very cool. Everybody needs to run over and buy tickets. So what's it like when you're when you're performing in this atmosphere, in this COVID atmosphere? Are you finding that everybody's just basically like they always used to be? Is there, is there any difference at all?
1: Oh, there's a major difference.
0: <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's
1: completely different because as a comedian, you're used to looking at people's facial expressions to know mm-hmm. you know if they're with you or not, even a smile or a hint of a smile kind of lets you know they're engaged so mm-hmm. when everyone has a mask on it's definitely a barrier <laughs>
2: yeah. between
1: the comedian and the audience they're still laughing anyway if right. your material works and people laugh with their eyes you know and engage yeah. with their eyes but it definitely you know it takes some getting used to but yeah. what are you gonna do it's right. much better than having people sit there without a mask and I don't want any part of that you <laughs> right. know what I mean yeah so uh... but it, it definitely requires an adjustment but you know, I find that people are so happy to sort of get out, yeah. and, and they're grateful to feel protected, mm-hmm. you know, at least in the part. I only play in the Northeast
2: mm-hmm. until this thing
1: lifts. So I'm not going to Texas to do a show, <laughs> you know, or Florida or whatever. But uh, I find that people are really grateful that they're in a venue that has those requirements in
2: mm-hmm. place
0: because mm-hmm.
1: then they feel comfortable. You know, and like you can take your mask off to eat and right. have a drink and stuff
0: like that. So. Right. Wow, that you know, I haven't really done anything in a arrest. I haven't gone anywhere um, outside of just family. I, I haven't even – I was going to meet a friend for lunch one day, but unfortunately she got the days confused, so I showed up, and she she wasn't there. And as much as it would have been nice to sit down and talk with her, I have to say even though I was vaccinated, and this was before Omicron, I felt a little weird just because there was a lot of people around, and I don't know – who is and who isn't vaccinated, even though we were outside, it was just like a little creepy for me. So, But I can totally understand the, uh, the positive feelings and the excitement about getting out and getting back to life because it's just been such a hard experience for so many people. And I know just speaking from my own perspective, I'm, I'm a loner by nature, so it's not that difficult for me to to not go to places. But after this long-ass period of time, and new variants popping up. And then of course, which we're gonna talk about, the politics in this country. It's just, it's like so much, there's, it's so heavy. Um, there's like such this like, dark cloud hanging over and it's, yeah. it's the dark cloud of politics, it's a dark cloud of COVID. But I can imagine, I mean, I, and I'm not saying that people shouldn't go out because I think it's good that people are doing it, especially in venues where you can, you know, make sure people are vaccinated and you feel safe. But it's like, I can just imagine how great it would feel to just be among people and have that, not carefree, but as close to carefree as we can get right now. So <laughs> I'm glad that yeah. you're out there doing it. <laughs>
1: no, yeah, you know, and well said. And in respect to my audience, I don't go out unless I'm on that stage. Mm-hmm. You know, we're still at the point where we have to limit our exposure and yeah. be responsible about it. I'm not going and hanging out in bars and restaurants on my free time. Yeah. I'm still. Isolated up uh-huh. in northern Westchester, like sitting on a little horse farm, <laughs> you know. I'm not even hanging out in the city, so. And and I find that that's the responsible thing to do uh-huh. for my audience, where I know I am going to be exposed to some people, uh-huh. even though I am wearing a mask and I'm getting my booster tomorrow.
2: Oh, good, yeah.
1: Um, it's you know I think people don't kid yourself and act like this thing is over. Right. It's not you know we can go back to reasonable sort of social situations mm-hmm. but it shouldn't just be like pretend like it's all over and you know pack into a bar and stuff like that that that's that's why it's still here
0: exactly right? that's yeah.
1: why we have the delta and the omicron
0: and god knows what's coming mm-hmm. next you know <laughs> i know it's just fucking endless it, it seems like it's going to be endless cuz and it's not just america i mean it's all over the fucking world we've got people all over the world who are denying science and Really, I think it's coming from a sense of just being selfish, wanting, just like you were saying, pretending it's over when it isn't, just so that we can have this false sense of security, and, oh, everything's fine. It's so maddening. It's just, it's fucking crazy. You know, I'm going to say that on Saturday, and this is just going to lead into our political conversation, on Saturday I was really having a bad day. I mean, dark, dark thoughts, fears, there's this woman that I know, I used to be friends with her, I'm not anymore, she's a Trump supporter, um, but she she does this thing for, I don't want to give too much away, she's kind of public, she does this thing for a living where she promotes a certain uh, beverage, kind of beverage, and she talks about it, and she's just so up her own ass, and I know she voted for Trump, and I was like, I I, I watch her, she's Let's just say that she found a nice wealthy man to make sure everything's good and she doesn't really have any worries. She is that demographic of women who voted for Trump. And I, I, I've, you know, wa- I used to know her, so of course I go spy on her on her social media pages and most of the time I mock her. And on Saturday, I didn't even watch her, but I, I started like thinking about her and I got so resentful. And so angry that she can just sit there and talk about stuff that doesn't matter as this country burns. And there are so many people like her doing that. And it's just, it drives me fucking crazy. But then on the other hand, thank God I don't feel like that today. I'm still worried and upset. But there are people like you. And, you know, I have to say that your videos, your tweets, everything that you do online, and obviously your, your comedy... Helps to lift the mood in these really really dark times. But your like your car videos and stuff like that. I think they're so good and they're so entertaining. And I want to start with you talked about um, one six was a dry run, and uh, you I think you even cited that article in the Atlantic. Um, by the name whose guy I'm not finding right now, even though I wrote it down. Oh, I know, Barton Gelman. So it was Trump's next coup has already begun. So I just want to hear your take on that on the show.
1: Yeah, and, and thank you for the kind words. You know, I'm doing my best like everybody else. You know, and yeah. it's like I would say I'm somebody who I skew towards resentment <laughs> and anger. <laughs> it's my natural condition, mm-hmm. you know, and I deal with that on a daily basis. It's a big part of my life. And I'm in recovery, you know, and so that's, you know, resentment is the number one offender, they say in my community. You don't (laughs) want to get too angry, so it's a fine line, you know, Mm -hmm. and uh, so just I'm saying that for any listeners, it's don't feel bad if you get upset. You should be
2: upset, (laughs)
1: you know, these are upsetting times, and I think this is one of the most exhausting years in American Mm -hmm. history, in modern American history. That article was great, and mm-hmm. Martin Gelman wrote the same article essentially a year ago predicting this, and he was correct. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that it caught you know, fire, so to speak, and touched a nerve because the people like me and yourself and these people that have taken it seriously and warning people what's going on, You know, we get a little cast aside or Mm -hmm. mocked or, or, Mm -hmm. you know, called doom scrollers or whatever they call it. And it's like, no, they're doing it in plain sight. Mm -hmm. And the way I viewed that article was, you know, I viewed it through what I knew about Trump from my time on Celebrity Apprentice. Mm -hmm. You know, and he likes to have his workers competing against each other. And if you notice, there was five memos, right? They Mm -hmm. were written by Eastman and all the others that worked for him, right? So Mm -hmm. five different... Team Trump members had written memos, and then Mark Meadows put together a PowerPoint presentation, it was like these guys were competing to be the winner that
2: week. <laughs> right. You know, to
1: have Trump say, like, you won, you're yeah. the project manager, Team Red gets to, you know, yeah. stay in office. that That's literally the environment he created. He mm-hmm. gets these underlings to compete, compete for his affections, you know, and his approval. And you saw that. Mm-hmm. So the article was chilling because it pointed out the internal kind of organization which was much more extensive than I mean I knew. We all knew to right. happened, right? But it was much more extensive sort of an organizational chart than just Steve Bannon and Rudy Giuliani right. over at the Willard, right? It was happening in the White House. They were taking meetings and they were communicating with the Hill. Marry that with the fact that his support was a broad swath of America. These were Mm -hmm. established, middle-class Americans that are buying this. These aren't just like fringe guys up in Idaho, Mm -hmm. you know, at their, like, white supremacist retreat. These were normal Americans. And that article pointed out this fire captain from the Bronx, Mm -hmm. you know, this retired fire captain who's down on the mall, you know, after the insurrection in his dress blues, Mm -hmm. in his uniforms still promoting the big lie. Mm -hmm. And that was my takeaway from that article, was how dangerous it is that this thing has been, you know, codified, so Mm -hmm. to speak, in, in the political vernacular of America. You know, there's at least 30 million Americans walking around right now that could give you... Their own version of why Trump was genuinely elected, right? Which he wasn't. But Mm -hmm. they create this sort of not just subterfuge, but this language of like, "Oh no!" But did you know that the states individually change their voting? Mm -hmm. You know, they have these Mm -hmm. talking points to make themselves sound smart, and that stuff spreads, Mm -hmm. right? Just like the anti-vi, you know, anti-vax stuff spreads, right? You'll get Joe Rogan's, and you'll get these podcast hosts, and they spread it, and people listen to it, and then other people buy it. So what scares me is that, you know, that it's in sort of like firmly established in the the middle class of America at this point, Mm -hmm. and that the people that are doing it feel like they're doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. You know, that's where things get real scary, when people feel like they're – on behalf of their country and their right. loved ones because yeah. they're capable of anything mm-hmm. when you put them in that position and I think that's what Barton was ultimately trying to communicate mm-hmm. to people was like look these guys are going to pick up arms <laughs> mm-hmm. to defend themselves and what they love and what they view as their way of life and that's terrifying because Trump has turned it into a religion at this point it's based only in his desire to grift mm-hmm. you know yeah. and escape accountability for a lifetime of crime but it's been it's been fashioned into sort of a cultural religion for these people yes. you know and it runs deep and and it's their whole sense of identity now and i don't think any of us have ever seen anything like this
0: no no not at all and i mean part of my my horrid mood was you know i mean my home is decorated for christmas and, you know, you do all the things that you do. You go grocery shopping and, and and I and I look around and I'm so worried for 2022 and 2024. And I think, is this going to be like the last Christmas that's somewhat normal in this country? And even though it's not normal, but, you know, there I, I, lo- I look at all these commercials for like Target and they're it's as if nothing is wrong and i don't expect target to be necessarily putting out ads saying watch out for the fascists but at the same time it's like we're we're all we're all these it's, it just kind of reminds me of the um was it the quartet or the the music on the titanic as it was sinking you know it's like right. let's just pretend everything's fine it's and same with that meme with the dog sitting there you know everything's fine and everything is on fire And um, Okay, so I want to ask you about this because the USA Singers tweeted out something today. They said, and I have actually two views on this because I usually do, but um, it says, do you think that they're dragging their feet on arresting Trump for fear of a full-blown civil war? I'm not speaking in hyperbole or trying to be cute about this. I'm being serious. I feel like his Yahoo cult members will be out for blood if their mango messiah gets locked up. So I just want to see what you think about that.
1: Yeah. You know, I mean, not 100%, but I certainly think there's an element of that. Yeah. I think there was an element of that in the Mueller investigation. Yeah. Okay. I think Mueller realized how deep this stuff went mm-hmm. and how destabilizing it would be for the United States on the world stage to really make public how much Putin owns him, Uh right? uh Because Putin has compromise on Trump going back to the Trump Tower days. I've talked about it on your podcast before. You know, Trump did bad things to young women in these brothels that the Russians ran in his towers for Uh decades. You know, he had like a frequent flyer pass, so he could just go in there when he wanted and and visit with these, you know, sex workers or however you label, you know, these poor women that get trafficked. Uh But, um, he was a, you, know, he was a purveyor of that lifestyle. Trump has that. He has tapes yeah. on that. That's what he showed him in Helsinki. You know right. He showed him the goods, and mm-hmm. that's why Trump walked out of there looking like reek,
2: you mm-hmm. know, because
1: mm-hmm. he'd shown what, what he had. And I think Mueller got a sense of that
2: mm-hmm. and
1: realized, you know, it would show how weak we really were and vulnerable as, as a nation, and mm-hmm. I think being an institutionalist. He feared that more than anything else, yeah. and I think there's some of that now. You know, Merrick Garland, what do we hear about him? He's an institutionalist. Mm-hmm. You know, he's. You know, Biden is certainly in, an institutionalist. You mm-hmm. know, these gentlemen are hoping that it'll go back to the way it was before, yeah. right, that Biden won't have to pressure the DOJ and that Merrick Garland will dot his I's and cross his T's and, and do what's right eventually. But what I tell people is two things. You don't get to go back the way it was before, after Donald Trump did what he did, right? Atlantic City didn't get to be Atlantic City like it was again after Trump came in and ran a bunch of hotels, you know, to launder money for the mob and then left them all broken and deserted and stuff, right? He breaks things. That's why you hire Donald Trump because you want it to fail so you can pass money through it and then wash your money
2: that's what he does
1: trump's the guy you hire when you want to break something so that's why he was the perfect beast for somebody like putin who's really just interested in chaos in the united states and i think garland and people like that realize that right yeah but the, the problem is if you don't do something about it time is not on your side no you know did garland has tons of defenders that are like he's just taking his time when you go for the big man you got to get it right okay trump's 75 years old okay he's been a criminal in the public eye since the 80s it was no secret personally i think he should have gone to jail for what he's done to women i know women that he's you know attacked right Mm -hmm. (laughs) but you don't, time is not on your side because while you're letting him walk free, he's building an army, right? Yeah, he's grifting. He he's sending texts. He's raising money. He's spreading the big lie further. Mm-hmm. And he's, we've let him get away with this for so long. To back to our earlier point, that's what Barton Gelman was writing about, mm-hmm. you know, that it's intu- institutionalized at this point. Right? You have thirty million people. People are putting Trump Christmas ornaments on their trees this year.
2: Oh my god. Like that's
1: insane. We just passed the eight hundred thousand mark of people dying. Mm -hmm. You know, under his watch. If he had locked this country down like he should have a year and a half ago or two years ago, it would have been a fraction of that. You know, a couple hundred thousand, yes, but it wouldn't be one out of every one hundred senior citizens, old people, died of COVID. That's staggering loss. And it only happened that way because when Trump saw COVID on the horizon, all he could think about was his own political future. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. It wasn't a single thought about keeping people safe. It was, how do I protect myself politically? And then how does Jared make money off of it? That's the only concern, you know? How do we stay here so we can steal more money? That's who they are. They're a family of grifters. They were the same way at NBC, Mm -hmm. right? He would bring his kids in onto the show so they could get a paycheck. Real billionaires don't do that.
0: Right, right, yeah.
1: If you're the real daughter of a billionaire, you're not on daddy's reality show on Sunday night, <laughs> you know. You're riding dressage horses, you right, know, or yeah. sitting on a catamaran somewhere <laughs> in the south of France. You're not judging Little John's pop up shop in Times Square,
2: yeah, yeah.
0: Right? And I mean, so- I, I definitely agree with you as far as, um, like with them, the institutionalist fearing any kind of fallout and I I would even go back to Obama because you know during the 2016 campaigns they knew what was going on and they didn't say anything and I think that he was wrestling with that like if I if I tell the people that the Republicans are basically being lifted by Russians what is that going to do to this country not just to Hillary Clinton but to the country um, and then, and then I will say this though, because I, and I want to hear because I, I agree with you about that we don't have a lot of time, but at the same time, I think there could be the argument, and I don't know, but the argument could be made that because this is so very specific, and what they would do if they did go after Trump, um, and and succeed, they know that they would be facing some kind of uh, public backlash, but what if you know I mean. I think that there is an argument to be made for anticipating certain kinds of loopholes that would fuck things up. Um, you know, we saw it with Cosby. There's a loophole, and he gets out. And so while there are reams and mountains of evidence of, of what Trump has done, uh, they might want to make sure that a technicality or just some kind of loophole or oversight isn't going to thwart all that effort if they're putting it in. And, I, I mean, do you think that's a possibility? Yeah,
1: I think that's 100% correct. And, look, yeah. I'm a comedian. I'm no, I'm no expert <laughs> on any of this. You know, my, my job is to sort of, like, go with the worst-case scenario right. and people right, right, on. Right, 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 And in right. terms of DOJ, it's like the public is clamped. You know, the scales of justice is like a woman holding a scale, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you need to balance those scales now. Right, yeah. that's what the public needs—a symbolic gesture to, like, hey, look, things are tipping back in the direction of justice because we saw Trump get away with everything, you know. And I think what you what you're saying is correct. Mm-hmm. It's correct, and they they have to anticipate it because there will be civil unrest. You know, they mm-hmm. they will take to the streets, and he'll tell them to do that.
2: He'll yes, say he it's will. go yeah. time.
1: They're trying to steal your country. Mm-hmm. Act now, and there's a lot of people that'll do that. He's been building yeah. an army for five years. You know, my partner, I've been telling her every time we ride down the highway for five years that I see these pickup trucks with the flags and the pump, Punisher stickers and the Trump mm-hmm. stickers and the gun stickers. I'm like, he's building an army. army.
2: Yeah.
1: He's weaponizing these ignorant folks because mm-hmm. he's giving them something to believe in, and they're already sort of skewing towards that toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. You know. I, self identification stuff you know fueled by resentment and 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 you know misogyny and, yeah. you know all this kind of you know ethnocentrism and stuff, but what I fear in waiting too long is, is what I said before like he they only have a certain amount of time mm-hmm. if we wait till the midterms, you know and it looks like the g o p will probably take back the house and the Senate, I'm not trying to be negative, it's just that's what history tells us is gonna mm-hmm. happen. What are you going to do when they try to shut down the, you know,
2: yeah.
1: the investigation? What do you do when there's 15 Marjorie Taylor Greens? Right now, you got <sighs> yeah. three of them. You got Boebert Green. You know, you got Gates and, and Gosser. They were there before, mm-hmm. but you know, look how much damage just those two women have done, who we never heard of before right. last January, and yeah. now they're household names, mm-hmm. right? And they're constantly trolling. Throw 20 of them into Congress God, and see yeah. if any work ever gets done right? So that's what I fear, is that they'll come back to power, they'll create such chaos and calamity that DOJ won't be able to do anything at that point, because every day it's going to be like here's another article to impeach Biden here today I'm introducing you know, that's what they're hired to do they're chaos agents, right? They're just hired to make a bunch of noise and distract, so the real criminals can get away with this
2: stuff Mm -hmm.
1: because you can't forget who's pulling the strings on all this, Right? it's not Trump and his cohorts, you know, it's Koch brothers and industry and all these people, you know, talk about a dry run, anti-wearing masks and anti-vax stuff, in my opinion, is a dry run for the real sacrifices we're going to have to make to battle climate change, right? Wearing a mask over your face isn't a big deal, really, and people won't do it because they're they're couching it in freedom. You're Mm -hmm. a free man. You don't have to wear a mask or whatever. What about when we tell people they have to drive you know, a smaller car that gets fuel economy mm-hmm. standards, you know, instead of a big pickup truck, <laughs>
0: yeah, you know, right.
1: that they don't have a right to a $3 gas a gallon, you know, a <laughs> right. gallon of gas. They should pay six bucks like they've been doing in France for 20 years. Yeah. You know, like what's going to happen? And I think the big business behind it all is, is sort of, you know, prepping the waters, you know, chumming the waters to get people riled up for when there is a leader who says, look, You know, the time is now. we got to conserve stuff. You can't put 15,000 bulbs on your house this Christmas and run electricity all day long, you know, to celebrate the season. we got to start conserving and being smart about how we treat this planet and how we use fossil fuels. That's going to be the real battle Mm -hmm. because that's going to, like, require real sacrifice. Let's face it. Putting on a mask isn't that big a sacrifice. No. (laughs) You know, but – as I said, these other things are going to hurt. Right. They are going to be hard to do. And they're prepping a certain amount of the population to be chaos agents against that and to view it as some sort of holy war that mm. threatens their identity as Americans. And that's what I fear. You know, I fear, like, you know, who are the people behind the scenes that are pulling the strings mm. for all this stuff that we're seeing now? Because mm-hmm. this isn't the big picture. This is the minor stuff. Yeah. You know? This isn't what they're really after. What they're really after is setting up you know, a, a state like Russia. That, that's why all these GOP guys went along with Trump,
2: because
1: mm-hmm. it sounded good to them. Like, wait, I get to be an oligarch? Right. You know, I get to get rich off of public funds, and I'm in favor with the boss, so I don't have to worry about winning elections anymore? <laughs> you know? That's what Mitch McConnell and all these guys want.
0: Yes, yeah, so and I've been saying that too. And I mean obviously it's not gonna go back to Soviet Russia, but it would be the current version of that the right. oligarchy, which would fucking suck to live there. Oh my god, it's 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 just drives me nuts. All right, so I am seeing more and more chatter about voting rights. Now, there is that serious talk show host, his name is Joe Madison, he's seventy-two years old, he's on a hunger strike, and I'm freaked out about him because he has lost over twenty pounds. Um I believe that he will die for this. And I don't, and I'm afraid that he's gonna die. I also know that there are Arizona students who are staging a hunger strike uh, to urge cinema to support the voting reform. Now, and I've also been hearing pundits on, you know, Joy Reid, and I, I only watch MSNBC. I can't fucking take CNN. But the people that I'm seeing, at least, you know, whether it's online or or on cable network, specifically MSNBC more and more and more i'm hearing about the importance of passing this bill and i mean i know what you just said and you're basing it on history and you're right to do that we should assume that the republicans will take back the house and get uh, a senate majority i'm not sure about the senate but for sure the house so with uh, you know with this inc- it's like increased uh, chatter pressure whatever I think it's going to keep going. Now, do you think it's going to make any difference?
1: Yeah, I mean that's the whole ball game, mm-hmm. you know. And I applaud these brave folks that are on these hun- hunger strikes, and, yeah. I, and I share your fear, especially about the elderly gentlemen, you know. Yeah. But he understands. Without that, you have nothing, mm-hmm. you know. And and we're that's the one thing we're not really paying attention to. I'm with you. I only watch MSNBC, and they bring it up and stuff, but we're not doing anything mm-hmm. about it. Right. We haven't like taken back the filibuster or revoked the filibuster so we could pass this voting rights bill. And that's what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. It'll be too late by the time you get to the 2022 to the midterms, because all these counties where they've replaced the local, you know, poll workers. We all saw what happened, you know, in Atlanta. Right. With that woman who got harassed and Kanye West publicist went down and threatened her and people are showing up at her door and knocking Mm -hmm. on it in the middle of the night those people are out of here mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. they're like it ain't worth it i'm not gonna get you know killed to to you know f- to to do this so they're all being replaced by pro trump folks and yeah. that's happening all over the country and that's the takeover that's mm-hmm. the coup right there and you won't be able to do anything about it you know and in the next you know presidential election it could be obvious that whoever runs on the democratic side wins and then The next day every state's like, Nope, I'm not gonna certify those votes. Mm -hmm. Right? Pennsylvania said they would do it. Mm -hmm. The guy Purdue who's running in Georgia is like, Yeah, I would certify I would have certified Trump, Mm -hmm. you know? Like if I had the shot. So all these guys are running for office and putting themselves on these boards, these election boards and school boards and things to to band together and say, No, Trump's our guy. And if that happens and you have somebody as unscrupulous as Trump Or worse, somebody Mm -hmm. as devious as a DeSantis, you know, Mm -hmm, who's mm -hmm. Trump with a JAG, you know, career. You know, who's Trump who went to Yale and has a law degree, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, get somebody like that. He'll accept those results, you know? He'll step into power knowing he wasn't legitimately elected because – and I'll curse here because he's going to be like, what the fuck are you going to do about
0: it? Right, Right? exactly, exactly. And what
1: are we going to do about it? Right, Because we know as Democrats, we're not really going to fight a civil war. Mm-hmm. You know let's be real. They're all the psychopaths with the guns and the automatic weapons and stuff. People in some county in Pennsylvania are not going to like be able to fight back against that,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? And it'll be like terror, you know mm-hmm, they'll mm-hmm. they'll sort of clamp down that you know a lot of little acts of guerrilla warfare could scare a lot of Americans
0: real quickly, yeah, a hundred percent you know yes. So, do you think? Okay, let's let's go to the to the uncomfortable part. So, let's just say, you know, it gets to a point where we lose. Democrats lose in twenty twenty two. I hate even just saying that out loud. But okay, so Democrats lose in twenty twenty two, and then in twenty twenty four, the worst case scenario happens, whether it's Trump or whoever. Now, at that point, you know, there is no fair election to be had in the future. It's the fascists holding on to power as long as they can, and then it would literally depend on our, I guess, our whole country and how they would react to it. I mean, I saw this thread and I talked about it the other day on my show, but it's an, an, an author, Elizabeth McLaughlin, was basically just saying, okay, you're, you're kind of okay in a blue state for a little while. But ultimately, what will come, excuse me, what will come crashing down is climate change. Climate change is going to force us to all deal with whatever kind of fascist government would come into play but but aside from that do you think that if we go in that horrible direction and we're back at a at a trump with no hope of ever having a fair election again in this country do you think that the people would protest do you think we would slowly just adapt to it how do you see it playing out that way
1: yeah I mean it's it's an it's the nightmare scenario right yeah. and I'll say at the top I think ultimately we will pr- pr- prevail
0: okay.
2: I think
1: we'll have a few years of darkness I think the international community will step in okay. you know very likely the UK could would would suffer the same fate mm-hmm. you know in concert with us turning authoritar- authoritarianistic or whatever the proper you know yeah. word is but I think the rest of the world would sort of boycott the U.S. in a Mm -hmm. way that would help the resistance, so to speak, Mm -hmm. internally. And I think that, I think being immediately isolated globally Mm -hmm. would have an effect. I do think there would be pushback in the U.S., and Mm -hmm. I think there would be leadership that we can't even imagine now that would come forward, you know, Mm -hmm. and help us, you know, lead us out of this dark time. So I think it would you know, and I don't think it would be a civil war like our previous civil war. Uh-huh. You know, I don't think it would be a north-south kind of thing. Right. I agree with you. I think people would be isolated in the big cities. You uh-huh. know, New York City, L.A., uh-huh. D.C., Boston, you know, Chicago. Uh-huh. Like, there would be hotbeds of, like, life would go on okay for a while. But like you said, climate change right. would bear down on us. Uh-huh. I think – somebody like Trump, if it was up to Trump, would be so crazy about it from the beginning. Like, he would just be hanging people on the White House lawn. (laughs) Yes, yeah. He's just a maniac. So he'd just be like, you know, bring me Rosie O'Donnell's head. You know, like, not saying that seriously. I'm just saying that he would be focused on his own personal Mm agreements and would probably be so batshit crazy so early on that, you know, people would realize how dangerous they were, you know, a time Mm -hmm. they were in. As I said, it's much more dangerous if it happens with a disciplined guy, you know, with a DeSantis or somebody who really kind of is not going to be on Twitter saying crazy stuff, and Uh you're not even going to know half the stuff he's doing, (laughs) you know. Right. But – and I think a lot of Americans will be down for it, you know. That's the sad thing.
2: It is, is what
1: The saddest thing about this last five years is what it's revealed Mm-hmm. about so many of our fellow countrymen,
2: mm-hmm. you know,
1: that they were so easily, like, not just conned, because they weren't con. let's face it, they like what they heard from yeah, Donald Trump, right? you know, they like this, mm-hmm. that's what they want, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I think that'll be dark, I, I don't know what it's going to feel like to know you can't trust your neighbor, mm-hmm. you know, to, like, and it's already kind of like that,
2: you know, yes, like is. you drive
1: around and you see the Trump sign and you're like, oh, shit. You right. know what I mean? It's one of them. Like, it's a scary, eerie feeling. And, uh, you know, so it's it's sad. I don't really know what would happen. None of it. Anybody mm-hmm. who does is lying. You know, mm-hmm. we can all only conjecture and hopefully we never really get there. Right. You know, I think we're pushing right up to the edge of it now. Right. And something hopefully will sober us That's up. That's
0: what I'm hoping
2: into, for. Yeah. Into,
1: yeah. I mean. I don't know what that thing is because, I mean, tomorrow's the anniversary of Sandy Hook. You know, I live 20 minutes from Sandy Hook as the crow flies. To wow. me, it's mind-boggling that we're still mm-hmm. dealing with school shootings after that event, which came 20 years too late, mm-hmm. you know, when we should have done something about it. But the fact that that doesn't even, you know, have any traction, that we just had the shootings we just had recently, that we had the Kyle Rittenhouse thing where yeah. – you know, a guy gets off and the judge is clearly going to throw the case from the opening moments mm-hmm. <laughs> of the trial. <laughs> yeah. He was just basically like, this kid can do no wrong, Right. you know, yeah. and, and any other decision besides the fact that he's the best of us, you know, is right. wrong <laughs> in my courtroom. And now I'm going to distract for two weeks and audition for Fox News, <laughs> you know. So, yeah, it's dystopian. but um,
0: It totally is, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, t- so t- I guess my point is that, like, I don't know what it's going to be that'll snap people out of it, but the world's going to keep giving you opportunities to find out what that is, mm-hmm. right? And you mentioned climate change. Mm-hmm. I mean, that thing is horrific mm-hmm. that happened in Kentucky and, yes. and those other yes. southern states on Friday night. You know, it was 65 degrees in New York City on Friday. Yeah. It's the middle of December.
0: I know. It was 70 you know? in D.C., yeah. Yeah,
1: it's, it's insane. You know, it's insane, and and that's why I said earlier. The powers that be don't want you to confront that. Mm-hmm. They want you distracted. They want you watching videos of Herschel Walker's son complaining about gasoline, mm-hmm. you know. They want us fighting over the little things because mm-hmm. then you don't see who's really making money off of this stuff, you know. Yeah, and, and it's, and it's easy. Uh, you know, go ahead. No, I was
0: just going to say it's easy to get people to do that.
1: Yeah, it's very easy. And, and people don't realize what a local issue, you know. Like Trump, Charles Koch, you know the Koch brothers, David Koch. Is it, which one died? I think it was David. Yeah, Koch I, who died, I think it was right? David. I so think. So David Koch yeah. lives at you know seven forty Park Avenue, right, which is seventy first and Park.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, you know Jeffrey Epstein is mm-hmm. at seventy. You know first between like Fifth Avenue and Madison. Trump's at fifty seventh and Fifth. Like it saw it was all such a local thing. You know mm-hmm. Larry Kudlow lived next door to me. You know, Peggy Noonan is up the street. The funny thing, my point here is, like, all of this mass manipulation yeah. of the country is coming from a very concentrated mm-hmm. area where all the wealth is concentrated, right? Fox News is on 6th Avenue across the street from MSNBC, mm-hmm. right? You know, Sean Hannity is not hanging out in Alabama with right. anti-vaxxers <laughs> that he's spurring on, right? Yeah. He's going out to Maidstone and playing golf in East yeah. Hampton alongside everybody else. <laughs> you know, and 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 that's what people really need to see. You yeah. know who they're who they're being manipulated by, and how much money is being made off of yeah. this. You know, it, it it it's all a local kind of situation to me. You know, because I I've sort of seen how media works because mm-hmm. I worked in it. You know, I knew that Trump was a fraud, and so did everybody at NBC. But there was money to be made,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? It's just like he launched a, uh, a startup two weeks ago, right? His, his Trump media company, and they raised a billion dollars in the first day. And the company doesn't have to say what it makes,
2: wow. what it's
1: going to produce. It doesn't have to say who invested in it if they buy less than 5% of the stock at a time. You know, there's all these loopholes to make it a financial instrument, which basically allows people to money, launder money again through Donald Trump right yeah but hey that happens on Wall Street right so financial institutions get a commission off of that white shoe law firms get to draw up the contracts you know there's a lot of ancillary money to be made Mm -hmm. in keeping people like this afloat it's like we saw in 2008 right with the real estate collapse you know they were selling these mortgages to people that had no hope of paying them off because people were making a commission off of selling them yeah Right? It's the same thing now. There's people making money off of Trump and Fox News and this sort of, you know, cult of ignorance that's Mm -hmm. obviously unsustainable and obviously toxic to the health of our democracy, but in the short term will help you buy that second home at the beach. Exactly. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) And you're a good person. You're not doing anything wrong. You're just showing up to work in your Brooks Brothers suit and Mm -hmm. putting in your eight hours and, you know, getting in your Volvo and driving back to the suburbs. Right. And that's, you know, that's how good men do bad things because they don't see beyond their own. Hey, I'm just trying to get through the Mm -hmm. day. My daughter got into Skidmore. I got a lot of, you know, bills to pay. So that's what I try to point out to people, you know, like that you're not getting the truth because a lot of people are making money from the lies.
0: It's so true. And I just, you know, I posted that it's incredibly maddening to see the news media downplay Biden's economy. Accomplishments and the one-six PowerPoint presentation as Nazis behave like termites eating away at democracy, and we just keep seeing it. Like there was some, I don't remember his name, but somebody at the Washington Post did not want to report on the one on the PowerPoint, calling it unverified. Which I mean, okay, I understand that they want to make sure everything is accurate, but it's like let's talk about Hunter Biden's laptop. Let's talk about Benghazi, and the fact that they're not covering this makes them really look hypocritical and I want to ask you a question because I, and I haven't prepared you for this and I know it's a lot and I know you're a comedian but I, you're smart and I, and I like your takes I um, the other day tweeted to Jamie Harrison the uh, chair of the DNC and I also I included the Democrats and whoever else DCCC but it was like oh my god the Nazis you know the Nazis and the fascists they're taking over the white supremacists we've got to figure this thing out and so he replied in a very thoughtful thread. And one of the points that he made was that the media and the Republicans basically are just sabotaging anything that the Democrats want to do. And I know I made him feel defensive because, you know, I, I, I was like, we, I, I said tick-tock, meaning we're running out of time. And he said something like, you know, well, when it, com- when it comes from Democrats, it makes, us, it makes it especially hard for us to win or succeed, and so you know, I wanted to be clear that I'm not attacking, but I feel like, as a voter, as a person who lives in this country, I'm so concerned, and I want to see more aggressive behavior from the Democrats because obviously we're not going to get it from most of the press. There are some of the press that's pushing pushing back and calling it out for what it is, but um, he did agree to be on my show. And what's really cool is that you know, I know he was on Stephanie Miller. Um, last week. And I believe before my tweet, they were already in the, you know, conversations about him being on her show. But he said that he was very open to being on liberal podcasts, because one of the complaints that he had was that, you know, Republicans have so much money, that the Democrats don't have as much money to buy ads, and, um, you know, dealing with the networks in general. And so it was Lincoln's Bible who came on and said, you should be focused on like, all of the liberal podcasts at your disposal, which won't cost you any money, and we will help you with messaging. So, you know, I put it out there to him, both publicly and privately, and he did agree to be on my show, so he's going to be on on January 10th. And one of the things that I want to do is obviously don't want to come at a... I don't want to make him feel defensive, but what I want to do is make him understand, and I think he already does, but I just want to emphasize the concern that so many of us have, because, you know, all day long you see on social media saying Democrats are bringing a feather to a gunfight. And, you know, I, I've seen really, I wish I could remember the names of the people, but, you know, people who know what they're fucking talking about. And, and they're saying, look, that, that Democrats are talking policy when Republicans are just cheating all over the place and installing people who are going to overturn a fair election. So what would, y- what would you say to him, or wh- what would you ask of him if you had the opportunity? Because uh, you know, I want to be able to come at, with him, come at him with either ideas or um, concerns that might trigger uh, a more aggressive response from the Democrats.
1: Yeah, well congratulations first of all And it's wonderful that he's coming on the show I know he's going to enjoy himself because he's <laughs>
0: doing good work Oh, thank you, know? you.
1: And uh, I, I saw that thread, so congratulations on that too And speaking the truth Yeah, thank you And I guess I would ask him, like, you know, how can we be an ally? How can we effectively right. counter both the, you know I, I make this on my podcast, I have a podcast, the old Casler podcast, you know And I say, like, the Democratic's messaging is like a folk trio playing in a church parking lot with acoustic (laughs) instruments, right? And the Republicans are like a Metallica concert, (laughs) you know, with full PA in a stadium. Like, Fox News is loud. OAN is loud. Mm -hmm. Bro culture is loud. Mm -hmm. You know, Joe Rogan, everything, I'm not trying to attack him, but, like, I look at his Twitter, everything is an anti-vax conspiracy Mm -hmm. kind of thing. The guy's got 200 million listeners, you know, a month or a week or whatever. Like, that's insane, Mm -hmm. that sort of reach. So I would ask him, how can we be an ally in in getting, helping the DNC get their message out there? Because it's effectively not getting out there. And we all know Chuck Todd, you know, somebody did a study yesterday that he's, like, put on people to promote the big lie like 16 times or something, you know, just in the last few weeks. Like, every Sunday he's letting a Republican come on there and repeat the big lie, which, back to the Barton Gellman stuff, helps solidify mm-hmm. it in the consciousness of America. Like, mm-hmm. it's a legit thing. It's not a legit thing, right?
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, James Carville, who I got to interview a couple years ago, or last summer or something before the last election, would say the same things like a Rick Wilson or somebody does. Mm-hmm. you know. And he was on Brian Williams's last show last week, and he's like, look, how is every time Lauren Boebert – stepping in front of the camera she not being asked like how did you meet your husband (laughs) you know how did you get arrested three times you know how is matt gates holding (sighs) press conferences right the guy's supposed to be under investigation Mm -hmm. you know for sex with minors Mm -hmm. paying for it you know and he did right he's you know we know he did this stuff Mm -hmm. so i think It's like we were saying earlier, you know, you don't get to go back to the way things were when somebody Mm -hmm. like Trump comes along. I I built up a bit of a following because I knew the man, Mm -hmm. and I knew what it would take to fight back against him. He's a bully. Mm -hmm. You have to punch a bully in the nose, metaphorically speaking, because deep down they're cowards. And I think Democrats fall into the trap of like – Well, that's beneath us. Mm -hmm. You know, I love Michelle Obama, but that when when they go low, we go high was the wrong advice for that moment. Mm -hmm. You know, when they go low, you need somebody willing to jump in the (laughs) shit with them. (laughs) You know what I mean? And kick some ass. This is the time for like, you need a mercenary. You know, you need that. You know, America always has these archetypal characters of the cop that kind of bends the rule.
2: Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. the
1: iconic laugh who's always in trouble with his sergeant, but at mm-hmm. the end of the day, he catches the crooks. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. he doesn't play
0: nice.
2: Right, yes. We
1: need that. That's what we need. You know, yeah, we yeah. need a bare knuckle brawler in terms of messaging. And we don't have to. The good thing about that is, like, we are only telling the truth, right? Mm-hmm. We're just afraid of the truth.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And you mentioned Hill It's like. Everyone knew, not everyone, but a lot of people knew Trump snorted Adderall mm-hmm. on The Apprentice, right? Mm-hmm. He was a known Coke user for decades in New York. He was a party guy, and there's a lot of people that, like, knew he did that. Mm-hmm. You know, or, or, or even better example, Don Jr. Everybody <laughs> yeah. knows Don Jr. is a Coke guy. <laughs> yes. right? he, was, he was dry when I worked with him, meaning, like, he wasn't drinking. He, you know, he wasn't working mm-hmm. a program, but he wasn't, like, in full relapse, which he's yeah. obviously been for three years. Yeah. And nobody calls it out. Right, because right? it's seen as like, oh, we don't talk about that sort of thing. Yeah. Trump knows that kind of stuff. Right. Nobody works the media better than Trump. Mm-hmm. He knows they're not going to run with a story about him snorting Adderall unless they have three verified sources. Mm-hmm. That's why he went and stole his doctor's medical records. You know, <laughs> That's why his doctor mysteriously died last January and barely got any press coverage. Jeez. Literally, his doctor that was his Dr. good on right. the Upper East Side, Trump's doctor for 20 years, yeah. or since the 80s, rather, mysteriously died in Scarsdale last January, and it barely got picked up by yeah. the news, right? Yeah. People don't want to dig deep on this because it's easier to go with the, like, simple things. Mm-hmm. You know, TV news and, and, and print journalism, it's a business,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? Time magazine picked Elon Musk today for, to be the here because they know they're going to get a 1000 clicks. Mm-hmm. They know it's going to piss everybody off <laughs> and that's going to sell more magazines. Yeah. You don't think they weren't also considering the hero capital police officer, I right. forget his name, who, yeah. who led everybody, you know, led the rioters in the wrong direction mm-hmm. to save the senators. You know, you've never had a year where it's been easier to pick heroes and they picked a bond villain, yeah. you know, right. who does nothing but troll people on Twitter and destroy the environment while not paying taxes, you know? under the guise of electric cars or something. The guys that, you know, whatever. My point is it's a business, yeah. and it's easier to be lazy and safe mm-hmm. than it is to dig deep. And Trump knows that better than anyone yes, he else. Does. Yeah. He knows how it works. He knows how the game is played. He is an idiot, yes, but he's a master at, like, exploiting the boundaries of a once-ethical society. You know, yeah. Trump understands that, and this is what we all learned as a people, right? A lot of our democracy was based on an honor system, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We didn't have these rules in place because we didn't think anybody would be so morally corrupt as mm-hmm. to do it, who would lie about an election or something yeah. like that, you know? We had just assumed people had a certain amount of decency that rose to that level in our society. And then Trump came along, and it's like a farm stand, you know, where they're like, yeah. take an apple and leave a dollar in the cup, Right, you know? yeah. Trump came along, took all the apples, took the cups, kicked the farm <laughs> yes. stand over, and set it on fire, <laughs> right?
0: Oh, my God, Because
1: yes. he's like, there's no cops. Who's mm-hmm. going to tell you, you know, I can't do it? And I think that's what they realized. The GOP has realized, like, hey, we're going to get away with this. Mm-hmm. And they have gotten away with it until the DNC says you can't get away with it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. People treat you in life how you, tell, how you allow yes. them to treat you. totally. You know? That's and I'll so say crazy. one more point. I think – the folks that intuitively know this stuff is the younger generation. Hmm. I think your AOCs, your Katie Porters, you know, these are our warriors. Mm-hmm. Eric Swalwell, you know, mm-hmm. kind of understands yes. this stuff. I think the Democrats also need to sort of elevate as quickly as they can this younger generation of Beto O'Rourke. Yes. You know, these guys have the fight left in them. Yeah. I like Biden and all that stuff. I'm not dissing him, but we don't need another septogenarian white man running for office. You know? We need some people that – women, people of Mm -hmm. color, minorities, people that understand what they're up against Mm -hmm. that don't have the same sort of Pollyanna-ish myth about America and how it's this democracy where everything works out. We're seeing that with the Supreme Court, right? Mm -hmm. Now we have a corrupt Supreme Court that's basically like, nope, we're going to overturn Roe v. Wade. We don't care anymore. You know? Like – yeah, we lied. We said we weren't going to do it, but we're going to do it. But right? we're going to do it, yeah. And everyone knows it. Mm-hmm. You know, you had an alcoholic with gambling debts, sexual predator, get confirmed.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? You had the 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 scumbag woman who took r b g c whatever yes. her name is, who showed up. You know, at a COVID super yes. spreader. Yes. Yeah. Right. And, and I'll shut up here. That's one more example. It just occurred to me. A thing that's come and gone that I addressed in my car rants was like. We found out a week and a half ago that Trump had COVID, Mm -hmm. lied about it, and went to five separate events. Mm -hmm. That's like criminal homicide. It is. How many people probably ended up getting it and dying because he showed up at a rally in Pennsylvania? You know How many Secret Service guys contracted it and passed it on to God knows who else when they went back to Silver Spring at the end of the day? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And he's gotten away with it. 'Cause that's also what Trump does is he throws so many things at you yeah. that you get exhausted and you can't keep up. That's what he would do in television. Mm-hmm. They'd be like, Oh, Trump attacked a contestant. Well, better get him out of here. We gotta do this loadout. Just get it out of my face. Mm-hmm. You know? It wasn't like, Oh my god, that's horrible, stop everything. Let's make sure this guy's held accountable. Yeah. People just get ground down mm-hmm. by the amount of like just criming
0: that comes at you, you know? Yeah, and <laughs> he... To use he, my
1: friend Molly Jong's face, you know? <laughs> Yes,
0: all the criming. Um, and he is, like, he's not the smartest guy in the world, but he's really savvy at understanding media, how to stay relevant, and he is a great con man. He's, like, the greatest con man this country has ever seen, at least in in, in my lifetime or, you know, in modern history. And it's just unbelievable to watch every single day how we react to it and it's like you said it kind of has exposed the worst part of us and that's really sad i i I hope that we can figure this out and i do hope that there is some kind of like what you were talking about something that would happen and snap us into figuring this out because if if we don't figure this out then we're going to find out real quick how uncomfortable life in this country can be and so many people don't fucking realize it. And, you know, I say this all the time. I'm a broken record. I lived in Soviet Russia. I don't think we're going to become Soviet Russia. And and we have a completely different makeup because we have all these people, including all these young people who are used to, who have been basically spoiled by this, even though it's an imperfect place, it's, it is so much better than a lot of other countries out there. And, you know, you don't, They don't realize. I think Kamala Harris said it so well when she said you always have to be fighting for democracy. This is not something that you just fight for at once and it's over and you just go to sleep and everything's great. Because I've always made the analogy that that people are like babies that need to touch the fire because you've got, you know, you, you tell a kid that's hot, don't touch it. And they're just like, what does that mean? I have to touch it. And then they touch it. Oh, and then they say. But e- each new generation is that toddler who doesn't understand that it's so hot that you can't touch it. We just keep touching it and touching it and touching it. And now Trump came along and it, it like, I mean, it's not, obviously didn't all start with Trump. Everything led to him. Everything that happened in, in the years, I would say, up for like, of course, you could go back to the John Birch Society. But I'd say Reagan really, really, really made a difference in how this country was perceived by people who lived in it. It's like I even look at he got or was during the Reagan years that credit became a big thing. And so it was like all these people like the 70s had this like when you remember I'm 53 years old. So like when I remember the 70s, it's more gritty. And even though that obviously there were wealthy people, it was just the way that it, it was like there was a dullness almost. And then the 80s comes and everything is bright colors and neon signs and sharp hairdos and you know, and it seemed every, you know, was keeping up with the Joneses and getting into credit debt, and, and it, it created this, this, I saw a tweet the other day that I think perfectly described it, which was like, hi, I'm a German, I live in Germany, and I enjoy, you know, living in Germany means that I get to enjoy uh, great, cre- clean public transportation that's reliable, I have affordable health care, or free health care, I have all these things, and then uh, as an American, you get to hope that maybe one day you'll be rich,
1: you know, right, exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah. Or crowdfund your yes. cancer surgery. Yes. You know?
0: Yes. And and it's like we are so spoiled that we don't recognize. I mean, my experience living in Russia was I think I would have been a liberal no matter what, but it made me understand what the word patriot means and it fully made me understand, wow, we really have it good. Even though this country is still incredibly fucked up, it's still patriarchal, it's still racist you know there there would be no way in russia that some black person could just go open up a store now it might be right. hard for a black person to open up a store here but it's possible over there it's not even possible and it's it's this you know people in this country don't fucking realize it so i'm hoping that if it does go to this really fucking dark place that the people don't let it like russians have always experienced this so they don't know any different we know different and I'm hoping that somehow that that knowledge, that understanding of what is better will help. But, you know, I don't know. It's it's like, it's so funny because uh, my boyfriend's brother listens to my podcast, which surprises me, but it also delights me. But his joke is that I'm always saying I'm freaking out. And <laughs> I just listened the other night to my interview with Mary Trump, and the first thing I said was, I'm freaking out. <laughs> it's like every day, every day I do. But I, you know, I mean, I, I do enjoy talking to to you and, and when what you said about ultimately we will prevail, I really hope that that's true, and, it, and, and I'm going to go on that as we end the show, that no matter what happens, I hope that we can figure this out together, because we are up against a lot, we're up against a lot of the media, um, completely up against the Republicans, but then there's all of us, so... There is something to be hopeful about, I guess. (laughs) I hope.
1: Well said. Look, love always wins. You know, that's my philosophy. Love always wins, you know. And, uh, you know, it takes some work, and it's dark right now, but it's going to work out. We are going to get through this as a country, as a nation, you know. And uh, we're just going to have to work for it.
0: We're going to have to um, work for it. People
1: like you, you know. Keep it. Keep the dialogue going. You know, you're doing a great service, and I get the freaking out thing. Like, yeah. I have a, As I said, my podcast every week. I'm like, I'm not going to be angry. I'm not going to rant for an hour. You know, and then I get on there, and it's just God. I can't believe anyone listens to it. My managers are like, "Can you be funny? Like, can you be lighthearted?" I'm like, I do that at the show. Right. You know, this is my. Hey, folks! Here we are again. Yeah. You know, let's let the climate improve a little bit, and we can we can back off the gas. No, but right shit.
2: now, yeah,
1: you know, yeah, no, I, you know, I'll I'll shut up here. But my I did a <laughs> thing with Michael Moore a couple of years ago. Like, it was probably two or three years ago. Is this documentary awards that I used to do every year, and he was getting an honor honored or something? And he goes, "Hey, listen, if you're making a documentary." about anything other than what's going on in this country politically put it away (laughs) you know use your skills to get this message out okay when when we get this figured out go back to doing the documentary Mm -hmm. on the soccer team or whatever it is right now if you have a skill to communicate and tell stories or make films or write books you have to put it in service of this democracy because we need all hands on deck.
0: Yes. Right? Yes. So
1: you're part of that movement, oh, you know, well, and I'd like to think I am too. Yes, so you So thanks are. for doing that, and it's wonderful to come talk to you today.
0: I just love you. I'd give you a big hug if you were right here. Um, you're so cute and sweet, and I love talking to you, and I, I love your car rants. I love your Twitter feed. I love it all. Um, okay, so before I let you go, tell everybody, like, give, give us the whole spiel. Remind us again of where you're going to be performing. Give us all the links, all of it
1: awesome yep i'm boston i'm coming for you boston (laughs) december 23rd i'm going to be at the city winery it's going to be a big year-end review christmas show come on out at 6 p.m city winery in boston and then new york city my hometown (laughs) adopted hometown i've been there for God knows how many years, 30 years or something. But I'll be at Les Paul's Iridium Nightclub, which is a great jazz club in the heart of Times Square. It was founded by the great Les Paul. I used to go through there with musicians when I worked in the music business. So I'm going to be telling a lot of stories about life in the music business and all that kind of stuff. And I do that in my comedy show, too. So you'll cool. get the Trump jokes and you'll get all that, but you'll also get a side of how art can inspire us and lift us up, because that's important also. Yes. So you can find all that detail at noelcastler.com and you know, I'm on Twitter. I'm out there. You type my name and you'll find something
0: to
2: <laughs> check out.
0: Very cool. And of course I'm on Twitter at author Kimberly K I M B E R L E Y. Don't forget that extra E. My books are on Amazon check them out and thank you so much Noel thank you so much I hope you have a very happy holiday and a, and a very happy healthy new year
1: thank you so much Kimberly you too have a great holiday
0: alright take care bye bye